the higher price you pay, the more custom, more impressions you're going to be able to get, the more customers you're going to acquire, the more profits you're going to have, the more you can reinvest back into advertising and scaling the business. Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. It's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy. I'm here with Dan Ferrari. Now, uh, Dan's got a really interesting story, and it's funny because we actually started chatting. It must have been, oh, we just looked at it. it. was February in 2014. He'd replied to one of my emails about uh, the Philippines. He was living in Hawaii at the time, doing some surfing, and from what I remember, he was just getting into copywriting. And fast forward to now, which is uh, it's just over a year, so 14 or 15 months, and he's working for one of the biggest direct response companies, publishing companies online. And so he's accelerated his career really, really quickly. And he's done it differently. You know, some people look at me and, you know, I, I started, my story was I, you know, was ended up in the Philippines and did it that way. And now I do my own thing. And uh, Dan sort of took the copywriting knowledge or the copywriting skill and took it in a different direction by, you know, I'm sure we'll get into some of these stories, but he's working with this company. He's been invited to have dinner and go to events with some of the biggest biggest names in this entire world he's friends with them in less than you know less than 18 months which is pretty impressive so and then today i thought we'd get him on talk about his story and also find out some of the lessons he's learning uh in his in his day job as a copywriter for this company so we'll get into that in a minute dan how are you how you doing i'm good john how are you doing good mate good good it's good to have you on the show yeah man thanks for having me should be fun so before we get into the email stuff what uh can you can you give the listener a little more of a background on you know who you are and what you do and sort of how you got started? Sure. I mean, you pretty much nailed it. I was living in Hawaii and basically just wanted to surf and get in the water as much as possible. And it had kind of been floated by me that copywriting was a way to really write your own ticket, have a flexible schedule and do whatever you want from kind of wherever you wanted to in the world. So I left a corporate job and just kind of declared myself a freelance copywriter and started clawing my way up from the bottom. Mm. Um, and I'd been doing it for several months when you and I first connected. And at that point, I had gotten in writing some freelance stuff for The Motley Fool. And that went well enough that several months later, they offered me the full-time job. And that's where I am now is writing copy for The Motley Fool, which is a investing publishing company personal finance investing information all that it's a great place to be great place to be so because it's a big company too this isn't just this isn't just a small you know five guys selling an ebook online is it no this is about a 300 person company um and actually one of the real pioneers in taking uh marketing onto the internet this company's been around since 1993 and has sort of seen all the different stages of expansion of e-commerce online and selling information online. So really a lot of history here. Mm, that's cool. How does it feel to be working at a company like that? Um, you know, it's exciting. Like there's just so much going on here every day and there are so many really, really talented and brilliant people doing everything. You know, I, I was telling um, a buddy of mine that this is kind of like the best mastermind in the world every day. You know, people would probably pay tens of thousands of dollars a year to be a part of the just the group that's here. We got experts in everything from traffic to design to analytics to 
product strategy and copywriters and everything. Hmm. It's interesting too, is that like right now, there's a lot of people who uh, <clears throat> complain about the cubicle. There's books out there like Escape the Cubicle Nation. And sort of, you know, with our culture and our age group, there's this generation that's growing up thinking that jobs are the worst thing you can ever do and that everyone needs to, you know, quit their job, follow their passion and try and be an entrepreneur. And on the other side of it, you've got uh, books like Cal Newport's So Good They Can't Ignore You, which is about if you want something rare and valuable, you know, a life where you can travel around and do lots of stuff, you've got to have something rare and valuable to offer, some sort of skill. What most people do is they quit their jobs and they've got no- nothing to actually offer to the world and so they fail. But so what I see going on here is like you, you sound like, as far as jobs go, this sounds like a great job. And it sounds like, you know, you mentioned before we started here, recorded, that you were really, really, like you're really enjoying it. It's great. Yeah. I mean, especially coming from the freelance world, I was very hesitant to take the job because I was like, man, I might not be able to work anywhere. And to be honest, I still might not be able to work anywhere but here. Um, and it's interesting that you brought up the way that our generation wants to be entrepreneurs because this is like the most entrepreneurial corporate environment that I can imagine. You know, I can go with any idea I have and say, hey, we need to be doing tripwire funnels or this is what we should be testing out on our email funnel. And, you know, it's mine. Like we can. We can just go and test that and that's one of the amazing things about a company like this is we can just test everything and we test and then we learn and then we test again and it's so data driven that you know that entrepreneurial spirit of just kind of failing forward is always there and if something doesn't work we iterate if something works we scale it's awesome hmm. very cool so talk to me about what a bit, like what happens you know day to day there I know over the last month you've been reviewing some email stuff what's it like working, you know, as a copywriter at a company like that? Um, you know, the day-to-day is pretty wide open. Um, I can pretty flexible with my hours. So the way that I try and structure my days is I come in and just try and bang out three, four hours on the primary project that I'm working. Um, so right now that's some email stuff, some autoresponders that I'm writing. But, you know, two, three weeks from now, that can be a long-form sales letter or a tripwire funnel. And then the second half of the day is kind of that mastermind type thing. We, we meet, we talk, we throw ideas against the wall and see what sticks. Uh, it's really just every day is something new and exciting. And who knows what tomorrow will bring, but I'm sure it'll be the same thing. <laughs> cool, man. Cool, man. Well, what's going on with that? So this is, the, this is the, what has been traditionally the email marketing podcast where I've talked a lot about email, open rate strategies and all that. So you've probably, I know you can't talk, you know, ultra-specific numbers. There's things you can't share. But what have you discovered uh, in working with, especially the email marketing side of things and recently, that uh, that's what's working in the industry? Yeah, so, you know, the, the big concept that I've been digging into a lot lately as I've looked through a lot of our data is, what I've been referring to is recency versus familiarity. Um, so if you think about somebody who's just opted onto your email list, right? Right at that moment, you have a ton of recency effect with that person, right? There's a lot of momentum. They're interested in you. They just gave you their email address. So there's a little micro commitment and they're ready to go. On the flip side, they have very little familiarity with you. You know, you, even if they just went through a fairly long conversion process to get that email, they still don't know you that well. Um, so the thing that I've noticed in a lot of the data is that, so people who are early in the funnel, there's a lot more of them, right? You know, a hundred thousand people might come in and 
because of that recency effect, you're going to convert a lot of them in the first few days. So you should be making a lot of offers right off the bat to capture that. Unfortunately, the conversion rates at that point are not going to be all that high, but just because the pool of people is so big, it's going to have a lot of impact on your business. Now the challenge becomes, after you've kind of worn through that little recency window, which might be three days, maybe it's seven days, but you know it's kind of the first few days that they're with you. Hmm. After you've worn through that, you're going to start losing a lot of people. It's just the nature of the beast. You know, People come in, they're excited, and then they start falling off, right? But the people who do survive, who go through, say, your 14 days, they're going to start converting at a much higher rate because they're going to be familiar with you. They're going to start to know you. They're going to start to like you. They're going to start to trust you. And so if you come in with a second wave of offers, maybe higher-priced offers, they're going to start converting at a fairly high rate. And then, you know, tying those two ends of the spectrum together, the extent to which your email funnel and your email copy and the experience that you bring them through can keep people engaged and keep them from falling off, you're going to have even more people going through a piece of the funnel. Um, and that's where a lot of things like storytelling and, you know, Andre Chaperon's soap opera sequences and things like that can be really big. Because you open up this story in the beginning when you have all this recency effect. You make some offers, but that storyline's not complete, right? So people will stay with you. They'll start building up more of that rapport. And then you can make a second series of offers down the line and get them there. Hmm. Okay, okay. And then so how long are we talking? Let's say you might make an offer like what, one email every day for three days when they first sign up? Yeah, Um and realistically, the first email is the most important. Interesting thing that I've seen is getting a click on your first email can be a very big predictor of a person's likelihood to buy down the line. Hmm. And beyond that, honestly, I, I can't give you like a, a firm answer on what that window is. My suspicion is it's anywhere from zero to seven days. And that's kind of some of the stuff that I'm working on right now is testing out a few of those hypotheses and seeing if we have the data that supports any of that. Interesting. Okay. So let's say you do that. So let's map out a funnel then. So someone signs up and for the first, say, seven days, you hit them with, you know, first email, you hit them with an offer and then we, we follow up with that offer for the first week. And then after that, we switch into content or stories. What happens next? Yeah. So that first set of offers, ideally, there's going to be some sort of urgency device there, you know, so maybe you have a, a one-time offer on a bundle or something, you know, so if you buy this today, you're also going to get this for free for the next 72 hours, okay? So then you close out that sort of sales period and your very next email, exactly what you said, you're going to open up basically a new storyline um, that's ultimately going to lead to a different offer or at least a different positioning of the same offer. You know, because you want the people who went through that first offer series and didn't see it, you don't want to alienate them once they get to the second offer and have them feel like you just kind of pulled the wool over their eyes. You want them to feel like that is also a very good offer for them. So maybe it's repositioned, maybe it's a different bonus bundle, maybe it's an entirely different product altogether or even a different price point. Um, you know, thinking about this, this is not something we're, we're doing, so this is all conjecture on my part, but you would have somebody come in, maybe you make them some low-priced offers in that first few days, and then your next storyline, so to speak, is a webinar registration, and then 
that next group of emails is basically a product launch or a webinar preparation. You get to that webinar and then you're selling them something at a very at a much higher price point than that original series of emails was because maybe those people just didn't want that entry level product and they were looking for something more advanced. Um, and that's when the second level comes in and that's when you can make a higher priced offer anyway because they're much more likely to convert and they know you a lot better. So it's a little bit easier to move up the, the scale. Right, right. I mean, traditionally, the advice that I've seen out there right now is that you know someone jumps in the funnel, they get a tripwire offer first, and they only move on to the next step if they buy the tripwire offer. So if they haven't bought the tripwire offers in, say, two weeks of emails, then they're sort of like, they're dead. What do you do with them? And so what you're saying is that we just keep rotating people through these offers you know you start with that one offer with the tripwire then we move on to another one and then we just so we automatically at the end if they haven't bought the tripwire after two weeks just put them on the next sequence yeah um you know you can have even some self-selection in there you know so maybe they haven't bought the tripwire and at the end of that series you have another email that puts up options for segmenting them into three more series right so then they can self-select into whatever they want to hear about, and you can have the offer relate to that. Um, you know, a lot of this assumes that you have sort of the robust product line to appeal to a lot of different people. And I think that's where this becomes difficult, is that you have to have the product strategy to support a lot of different people that are coming into your funnel. You know, if you just have one product, then you can only reposition it and repackage it and sell it in so many different ways. And, you know, just by definition, you're going to be missing out on people who are in the market but interested in different offers within that market. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, one thing that, like, I was working with a client uh, recently, and one thing that we were working on was setting up a funnel where he'd have five, say, five products in a funnel and so the idea is that they come in they go to a webinar and they buy the first product and after that they go into a sequence where number one we send them a content email just to build the value mm-hmm. and we send them another email which might call it a, call it a trigger email and if they click the link in that email it's like them voting and saying oh I'm interested in uh, you know trading options so we tag them as options and then they get moved to another list for a sort of a mini adventure for five emails and they get like a three or basically a four email sequence there that builds up and then sells a product at the end of those four emails we then move them back into the main sequence where they get another content email and then another email that sets another tr- that's, a, that's a trigger again and then puts them into a different funnel for a different product and then we're constantly rotating like that is that sort of what you're suggesting or do you mean everyone just gets the same offers no i think what you're describing is perfect um you know tailoring the offer to the people who want to see it and making sure that the people who have certain motivations that if they're willing to share their motivations and you have the way of collecting those that you can put them into the proper funnel. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. Mm, Yeah. So, I mean, the other thing too is what we're talking about before this call is, you know, I was on the phone with someone yesterday and they might actually listen to this episode, but uh, we're chatting about this idea of they came to me looking for emails, looking for an autoresponder, thinking that, well, you know, John's the autoresponder guy, I'll go and get one of those 10 email sequences that apparently I heard he does. So we get on the phone and looking at his structure, he's got, he's got like, it's not that he has one product. He had several different products, but it wasn't really planned out very well. It just seemed to have, he just seemed to have a bunch of stuff going on. I wasn't really sure how it all fit the whole, the overall picture. And so my advice to him was that he doesn't actually need an autoresponder. He doesn't need more emails. He needs to go and work on, you call it the product strategy, but you could call it, you know, say the business model or the business plan. I mean, it's, it's really that until you get the, 
like, people think about a business as one product, but one product is just, a, you know, if they're selling an ebook, oh, I've got a great, you know, online business. But this, the secret, you know, the truth is the business is you, the business exists to solve a problem. So whether that, you know, whether that's, you know, that you can do that with one product, you can also do that with a hundred products. How many products does Motley Fool have? On the front end, we have five different products, I believe. And then we have a kind of a portfolio of back end products that will, you know, take somebody from that initial low end price point, say maybe a hundred dollars a year and bring them up to hundreds or thousands of dollars a year. Yeah. And so what, you know, Perry Marshall mentions this in uh, his eighty twenty sales and marketing book, this idea that if you, I mean, really the person who can spend the most money to acquire a customer wins hands down and so because you know, if you can spend more money than all your competitors to acquire a customer you can just you know outbid them on all the you know on everything whether we're talking online marketing or even going and buying lists and so but where that comes in if the person who can spend the most money obviously has the most well not necessarily the most expensive products but has basically sells the most things so it has the highest profit margins making the most profit yeah and the largest uh, lifetime customer value for right. sure right so it's almost like that that this to really make the sales funnel and all these different things work, to have an autoresponder and to have a campaign that's really going uh, to drive this business and grow the business, you need to have five products, six products, seven products. You know, or need to be just never always creating more products to meet the demand because that's where the money – it's a whole like the money's in the list or the money's in the back end, they say. It's all those things. It's all about this idea of you've got to jack up that customer lifetime value as high as you can and then the advertising and actually buying the customers is straightforward. Yeah, absolutely. And then, I mean, if you think about this on the level of uh, external PPC ads, you know, once you can start to do that, you're going to be the only ads that people see in your market. You can bid your competitors out of the marketplace. And and it it just creates a a self-fulfilling cycle because the higher, the higher price you pay, the more, the more impressions you're going to be able to get, the more customers you're going to acquire, the more profits you're going to have, the more you can reinvest back into advertising and scaling the business. Yeah, it's pretty magical. It's like that positive feedback loop that's going to explode things. Yeah, it's awesome. So what's, uh, talk to me about some of that then. What's with, with the emails that Motley Fool is you know, sending out, are these just, are these, have you found that like to say the structure of the email matters? You know, for example, uh, you know, if you look at Agora's emails, they've got a header at the top of you know whatever newsletter they're sending out. It's centered. There's a gray background. You know, it's white in the middle. Uh, it's a newsletter style. And so, you know, what's Motley Fool doing, and why is it doing it that way? You know, we do have templates on our emails, and I don't know the history of where they came from. I'm just knowing the people who work on them. I'm assuming we've tested those, and we know that they convert better than a different format. Um, but in terms of the actual copy in there you know it kind of depends on the the use of the emails a lot of our emails are what we call carriers it's a single email that leads to a a long-form sales page so that email is kind of baiting the click more more or less you know you're building up a massive level of intrigue for what's on the next page Um, not really revealing too much just letting the person read get excited to see what's next and then you know, selling that click for everything it's worth. Um, a lot of these email funnels, like we've been talking about here, you know, you. I think, like I said, you still need to be selling the click, especially on that first email. But it's a little bit more of a balancing act because you're always just trying to get them to stay in that funnel without dropping off. So, you know, you don't want to sell too hard, or you're going to alienate people, and you don't want to be too upfront at the same time because you still need them to get through that story and go into the next email. How hard is too hard? Um, you know, I think it's a, it depends. 
ideally you could be able to tailor every message and also the frequency that you're emailing based on who's getting that email. So, you know, somebody who has opened X number of emails is going to be a lot more likely to respond to sort of more aggressive or harder copy than somebody who's only opened one email, right? Like the more engaged this person is with you, the more you can come at them. You can email them every day. You know, we, we've seen that people who open our emails a lot, we see the more offers we make them, the more they buy. Whereas somebody who maybe isn't engaged, you start making them more offers, they get fatigued easier and then they drop off the list. Mm. So it's almost like what we need here, maybe this already exists, but let's say you've got three three main funnels the, or three main lists that you have and one of them is sort of that, that let's say the coolest list people who are you know then maybe they open one email a month one email every few weeks something like that then there's another one where people are opening at least one email a week and then another one where people are opening you know an email every every day or two and so what we do is we assign scores based on what people have and let's say you know the cold ones are at like 10 to 25 the warm ones are 25 to 75 and the hot ones are 70 you know 75 to 100 and then based on what their score is, we, we use an algorithm to move them from, you know, from list to list. So if they start cooling down, they start getting less emails automatically. Or if they start heating up, they start automatically getting more emails. Something like that would be pretty amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that is very hard to do from my experience and our experience here. But it's, it's the holy grail. You know, if, if somebody is going through an autoresponder and they stop reading at email three, for example... If you could just keep sending them email three with a different subject line instead of moving them into email four, you'd probably get a better response out of that person if they finally opened and then you send them to email four as opposed to maybe they're going to open email four and it's somewhat of a connected sequence, but they missed email three and now they're a little bit confused. They don't know what's going on, right? Mm, yeah, so that would be the other thing is making the system so they don't, get, they don't get email four until they've opened email three. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and then you'd have three attempts. I mean, that'd be pretty easy to do, right? You'd write one email, create three subject lines, or every time you create a subject line, maybe imagine a system that did this. You, you know, when you set up, you add your email copy, and then for the subject line, if you add three email subject lines, it'll send the first one, and if they open it, they go to the next email. If they don't, they get the second subject line. If they don't open it, they get the third. And so you can just add up to, say, five subject lines per email, and then, that, then the system works differently. I, think, I don't think that would be too difficult to do. It's, just, it's a straight if-then rule. Uh, you need a system that's uh, programmed differently, but this, it's basically if someone doesn't open this, send them this, or you trigger it if once they open email three, send them email four. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's instead of it being like an automatic, like an autoresponder that's all just queued up uh, to to happen automatically, it would be you'd be waiting on rules, so they don't move forward in the funnel until they take a specific action. Yeah, I mean, I think that that that's the key, and I. I think that's where we'll see a lot of these funnels going. It's just completely dynamically you based could, on the behavior that they've exhibited. You could actually do this right now. I just realized so you could take any system. If you're, using, if you're able to do the, the behavioral stuff, the reason I'm mentioning it now is I think anyone listening can, can implement something like this. You could get software like Drip, which is the email software I'm using. You create a campaign for each single email. So every email, that, like say email one, that's going to be a campaign. And in the, in the email one campaign, you have five emails. The five emails are the same. The only thing different between them is the subject line. Okay. So then we have ten campaigns. This is going to be a nightmare to set up, but it'll it'll do the job, right? Ten campaigns. 
Because this way, like, because some people are going to drop off, right? So this is why it might be ten campaigns, but it still might take them, you know, three, you know, three months to get through if they're not opening some of the emails. So then what we do, so we have ten campaigns. Each campaign has five emails, you know, one email with five different subject lines. So they sign up and they get on campaign one. And on campaign one, they get email one with subject line one. If they don't open it, they get campaign one email two or campaign one with the same email but with second subject line. Right? Yeah, and then as soon as they open it, they get dropped off that campaign and added to the exactly, next one. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. That'd work. That'd be a, yeah, a pain in the ass to set up. And then, you know, ideally then you can start retargeting them and drawing in even further channels to make sure that you're not missing them at all. Um, well, you know, that's, yeah. that's kind of the other piece of all this is that, right, we've been talking about email, but, you know, with things like Twitter and Facebook, you're starting to see a lot of people curate their their content and their information through social media or through the web, right? So maybe they're just not even an email person, but they're still interested in what you have to say. So then you can start segmenting based on their consumption behavior too. So you go more aggressive after the people who have exhibited email behavior with emails, or you get more aggressive about retargeting and spending your money on them if you've noticed that they're not taking in emails, but maybe they're more active on your website or some of your other properties. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a, this is a new business. This is a new software application that we're coming up with right now. Because it's sort of... This, yeah, let's do it, man. <laughs> this is... We need an algorithm, right? The way the algorithm works is, is you know, runs the whole thing. So you plug in your emails, and you plug in your retargeting, retargeting information, and then it just figures out where people are. Like even with the retargeting information, if someone's on email one and they haven't opened it yet, you could retarget them with a page on your site that has email one on it. Yeah. So you still, if if because if the goal is to move people through a very specific sequence of con, you know uh, uh, content process, which it really is, we're just coaching people through the process of buying, then they don't get to go. We could literally enforce the fact that they don't get to go to the next step until they've completed the current step. And so you do that with retargeting. And then so with the re- and then the retargeting, and then you can make this with the emails. And then you can say stuff like, if someone visits the sales page but doesn't buy, send them this campaign. If so- and send- show them this ad. If they visit the checkout page but don't buy, send them this email and show them this this retargeting campaign. Yeah, I mean it's it's really powerful. Like I mean what you just said there about controlling their experience. If you think about a VSL, right? Like this is the reason a VSL outperforms a text-based sales page because you're controlling the flow of information so that you can put your logical selling argument in order and they're going to consume it in order. Where when they're reading it on the page, they can skip around, they miss something, you have to repeat things to make sure they've got everything. Um, so now you're taking that VSL concept of controlling the flow of information and you're just expanding it into every channel that someone could possibly be you know experiencing your stuff online (laughs) exactly exactly so i think this could really be i'm not i'm not a coder or a programmer otherwise i'd probably try and set something like this up but this sounds like a sweet piece of software man i hope someone listens to this and builds it yeah it's the next salesforce sends us some royalties (laughs) (laughs) well i reckon like because i mean that's the problem right that we're having with that people have well this is where technology is amazing right because as it gets more efficient, everything gets more cost-effective. Yeah, it gets more competitive on, say, you know, AdWords, but as people are getting better at, say, using retargeting and using email to plug the conversion holes in their funnel, the conversion we're going to be able to dial the conversion rate up as like basically way higher than it has been 
say 10 years ago or 15 years ago because of this behavioral stuff and what this this makes advertising and marketing so much more effective because we're getting the right message to the right person the other people who don't need that message at this time don't even get about it don't even hear about it so it makes the whole thing more efficient and this is where this software which instead of just having a straight autoresponder which is what most of us are doing right now straight broadcasts we customize the entire experience the same way the video sales letter does but applying that same theory or that same that same idea of uh, controlling the experience but do it the entire way through the funnel not just on the sales page yeah it's really powerful stuff yeah that's exciting man you should talk to the guys at motley fool and see if they want to put it together uh, we're we're working on it <laughs> <laughs> Well, cool, man. All right. Well, it's been good to it. Good to have a chat. This has been very casual and relaxed, my favorite kind. And uh, we've got a good business idea out of it. So it's been a very yeah. productive day. Before we go, uh, if if someone, if the listener wants to get in touch with you or send you an email, send you a tweet, you know, what should they do? Uh, probably the best way to get in contact with me is I have a, a website and an opt-in up at ferrarimedia.com. So that's... Ferrari, like the car, F-E-R-R-A-R-I, media.com. And then, you know, if they opt into the list, they can shoot me an email, say, I heard heard from you on John's podcast, and I'll, I'll reply. Not a lot of volume coming through, so. <laughs> you, you, get can, a million, you get a million opt-ins up this. You might not be able to reply to all of them. All right. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, just yeah, remember that. Do you have anything that people can buy yet? No, nothing, nothing for sale. Um just working on the Motley Fool stuff at the time, so I don't, I don't have a lot of time for anything else. No, that's fair. That's fair. Cool, man. All right. Well, I'll uh, have a link to FerrariMedia.com in the show notes at themcmethod.com. We can get you some people on the list. Hopefully, a million, at least a million. Yeah, um, that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the whole population of China listens to this podcast, <laughs> so you're gonna get a lot. They might not speak English though, some of them. So you're gonna have to polish up on your Chinese. Uh, yeah, I can. I can hire a, a junior copywriter for Mandarin and Cantonese. You should. Interesting. Yeah, someone should build Motley Fool in China. All right, mate. Great to have you on the show. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast, sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more.